Food Heals Nation, what have you been doing lately when it comes to truly caring for your skin? Have you tried any of the light therapy facials or the LED masks? I've shared on this show how I use lasers to completely remove my brown spots in the past, and I love anything that can help me with wrinkles or blemishes or redness or scars. I find a lot of great products on YouTube that I test out, and I've just discovered a new brand. It's called Lima, and when you see the before and afters on YouTube, you're going to be a convert too. They are changing the way that you care for your skin on actually a profoundly scientific level. This is the Lima laser. It's the world's most powerful clinic grade cosmetic laser device and the only laser FDA cleared for at home use. Why this is important is because I was spending, I'm not going to tell you how much, way too much money years ago when I was getting rid of those brown spots when I was really healing my skin. And now This same type of technology is available at home, and I'm here for it. I am so excited. So this is a near-infrared laser light that penetrates deep into the dermis, simultaneously working on your fat, muscle, and bone to give you like a non-surgical facelift. It transforms your skin. It helps skin issues like wrinkles, sagging, blemishes, pigmentation, redness, breakouts, and scars. And it does this with zero damage, zero pain, and zero downtime. And I remember the lasers that I used to do, they did have some downtime, so this is great. Make sure to check out some of the before and after photos on the website so you can see what I'm talking about. They have YouTube videos too. But the reason it's groundbreaking is it uses that near-infrared low-level light technology, which is completely cold and painless, and it's 100 times more powerful than an LED. And the craziest part is you can even use it with a full face of makeup. So check it out for yourself. Visit lima.life. L is for live. Y is for younger. M is for masterful. A is for approved, and learn more about the Lima Laser. If you're interested in trying one today, you can sign up for their newsletter. Tell them that Food Heals sent you, and please let me know if you order one. I want to hear about your results. Again, it's lima.life, L-Y-M-A dot life. Y'all, oh my God, Food Heals Nation, I just got the softest sheets and pajama set from Cozy Earth, and I had to go and get you a discount code too, so that you could experience the coziness as well. You can visit CozyEarth.com, use the promo code FOODHEALS, and you'll get an exclusive 35% off. So Cozy Earth, it's like your one-stop shop for what they call the luxury she deserves. So listen up, guys because this could make a great gift for that special someone, your girlfriend, your wife, the mother in your life. And don't forget, Mother's Day will be here before we know it. So get a gift for the mom or moms. Here's a nice little gift you could ask for. Anyways, let's start with the sheets to transform your sleep. The coolest thing about Cozy Earth Bedding is that it is temperature regulating. So you stay cool, which is so important when you're sleeping. Plus they are just so soft. It feels like I'm sleeping on a cloud. Plus I love the cozy earth quality and longevity promise. All products come with a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty. So incorporating cozy earth products into your self-care routine can enhance your sleep quality and just overall wellness. So Again, this is the luxury you deserve. You can treat yourself to the ultimate in comfort and indulgence with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear and prioritize your self-care and sleep health. 
And while you're at it, don't forget to check out the Bamboo Pajama Set. It was awarded Oprah's Favorite Things in 2019, so you know it's good. I love the softness and breathability of the fabric, and it has these really great side pockets. And don't forget that by supporting our sponsors, you support this show. Head over to CozyEarth.com, use the promo code FOODHEELS for an exclusive 35% off, and go get your mom the luxury she deserves on Mother's Day at CozyEarth.com with promo code FOODHEELS. You're listening to the Food Heals Podcast. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to put down the Ben and Jerry's, get off the couch, and take a walk outside. If you experience any of these symptoms, tell your Facebook friends immediately. All right, welcome, Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining me. I'm Allison Melody. Today's guest has the greatest name, the greatest name on earth. It's Allie, Allie Shapiro. Allie is the host of the top-ranked podcast, Insatiable. She's a holistic nutritionist, an integrative health coach, and a rebel with a serious cause. I knew I liked her as soon as I heard her name. We have so much in common. She's academically, practically, and empathetically aware of how the medical system, diet culture, and body positivity movements all have their own flavor of crazy. Allie developed truce while in graduate school at the University of Pennsylvania, where she drew from her 17 plus years of working with real life clients, plus her own personal healing journey from emotional eating and having cancer as a teenager. So we're going to go into all of that and how she healed herself. Allie's work and clients' unique success has been featured in Well and Good, Mind, Body, Green, Prevention, Women's Health, Forbes, all the places. This is a great conversation, Food Heals Nation. Let's dive right in. Roll it, Roxy. The Food Heals Podcast starts now. All right, Food Heals Nation, we have another podcast host. She's host of the top-ranked podcast, Insatiable. Please welcome Allie Shapiro to the show. Welcome, Allie. Thanks so much for having me, Allie. Great name. (laughs) I know. We were blessed with the most beautiful name ever. Is it short for anything? Mine's Allison. What about you? Yeah, no, mine's just Allie, (laughs) A-L-I. Okay, so you're actually Allie. I'm just nickname Allie, so you win. (laughs) Not a competition. (laughs) Okay, well, let's start out with, I love the podcast name, Insatiable. And obviously, my listeners love podcasts. So let's start there. Tell me what Insatiable is about and why you started it. Yeah. Well, Insatiable is, first of all, trying to reclaim that hunger is a good thing. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I mean, on a, like a very concrete level, right. It's like, especially in diet culture, it's like, oh, if I'm not hungry, that's great. You know, um, when really, you know, this Allie, like if we have a well-functioning body, we should have a hungry, a healthy hunger. Mm-hmm. Um, but as with food, everything works on a metaphorical level as well. And so I really feel like at the time when I started it back in 2016, um, when social media wasn't as popular, like it was, I feel like I'm dating myself, but it was really different what it eight years ago, you know? Totally. Yeah. And, um, I felt like there wasn't a lot of the type of conversation that goes deep, like you go deep here on food heals, 
Um, And so I wanted to have a medium where we could explore topics at length and go into the deeper insatiable hunger for knowledge of how can we piece together the intersection of food, of psychology, of culture. Um, And so that is really what it's about is like peeling the onion, right? Like the Russian nesting dolls, like let's get to what is this emotional eating really about? What is health really about? Um, and so that's that's really what Insatiable covers: food, food, psychology, culture, those intersections, um, including behavioral change as well. But the ability to go deep, like you go here on Food Heals. Yeah, no, it sounds like I mean we're on such similar paths because it's like I believe that the body is designed to heal itself when given the tools it needs to do so. So we have to figure out what are the tools, right? So at first for me, it was food and nutrition and healing emotional eating. And then I realized like, oh, like I was like, I did all the things. I'm healthy now, but it wasn't enough because I had to do the emotional work. I had to do the mental work and I had to do the spiritual work. And all of these things go hand in hand. So I love that the approach that you take. And I love the title insatiable because it's also the name of my favorite Netflix show that I recommend, not my favorite, but it's just a funny, kitschy, silly show that's really relatable to anyone who's ever dealt with emotional eating issues. It's a great show. Um, so I recommend everyone check out your podcast, check out the Netflix show, but Ali, I would love if you could take me back, you are a holistic nutritionist. First of all, thank you for the work that you do. An integrated <laughs> health coach and a rebel with a serious cause. I love that. <laughs> Tell us more. How did you get here? <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, remember going on my first diet at Weight Watchers. I grew up in the suburbs of Pittsburgh and went to a strip mm-hmm. mall. Like, I don't know if that's where everybody's Weight Watchers was, but that's where mine was. Um, around the age of 11. Like I already knew that there was, I already felt like there was something wrong with my body. Um, and then two years later at 13, I was diagnosed with cancer. And at what age? 13. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, say it again. <laughs> yeah. What? Thanks for say- saying that. Yeah. It was 32 years ago. I mean, it's, it's crazy wow. to think about that. And so when you talked about healing yourself physically, then emotionally, spiritually, it's like, yes, like I have been mm-hmm. on this journey now for quite some time. And I love right. that you're, you know, it really is spiritual. And, you know, at the time I grew up in the eighties and nineties, proud Gen Xer. And we really, and I think still maybe to this day, believe that health equals thinness, right? That is how Mm. you define health. And so despite being the thinnest I had ever been in my, you know, early life because of chemotherapy and, Mm -hmm. you know, really being the sickest, when I got done with chemo, I was, first of all, I was getting a ton of attention. People were like, you look good, right? Even though I, no one, if you didn't, you wouldn't know that I had had cancer because, of I did a, a freeze pack, so I didn't lose all my hair. I only lost like half mm. of it, but I got really thin and I got attention. I got compliments. And to wow. me, I was like, okay, I have to stay skinny to stay healthy because that's what culture mm. told me. Um, right. was, it was the Kate Moss culture. I remember. Yes, 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 totally. Right. Um, and at the time in high school, I could basically outrun my emotional eating. And there wasn't even, I feel like, language for emotional eating back then. But no. then, yeah. So my friends and I, we would always joke, like, diet starts tomorrow. And I would run five or six miles in the morning. Um, and I considered myself healthy because I was able to stay thin. Mm. 
And then when right. I went away to, yeah, to undergrad, which was this huge uncertainty, even though I was, could not wait to get out of the town that I grew up in, I was so excited to go. It was a huge transition and transitions mm-hmm. can really bring up, a, like can be a huge time that people emotionally eat, right? Like transitions yeah. from work to home, um, you know, grief transitions, perimenopause, all this stuff. So when I got to college, my emotional eating started to get more and more out of control and it really escalated to binging. And Mm. at 22, I graduated, I had my first job and I was diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome. I was diagnosed with depression. I was, um, I had tried Accutane and, and antibiotics for my acne and my acne had come back and Mm. I was just like struggling. And What I didn't realize at the time, but I can now name is that I thought as long as I didn't have cancer, I was healthy. Right. Um, That makes sense. Especially if you grow up in that. Yes. Yeah. So it was like, I was so grateful not to have cancer and I was starting to just settle in a way. And so I was also at the time, my, my binging was obviously aggravating all of this. And I really thought my depression and issues were about my weight. I was like still convinced that everything was about my weight. And then at the age of 26, I went back to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition in New York City. Where did you do your cancer treatment? And what do you say you went back? Oh, no, no. I did my cancer treatment at Children's Hospital in Pittsburgh when I was 13. But I mean, I went back to school at 26. So like 13 I'm years. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. At the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And at that, that's where I got my holistic nutrition um, certificate. And we learned all different dietary theories. And what the one that really stuck out to me was functional medicine. Yes. Yes. This was, again, almost 20 years ago. No social media. Like there was not, it was just the infancy of, of functional medicine. And through learning that, I realized that my IBS, my depression, my acne, these weren't diagnoses. These were actually symptoms. And for me, I then pieced together that my gut health had been destroyed from the chemo. And now it seems so obvious, but I'm the first generation of childhood cancer survivors. So really, there's no rule book. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's a wonderful, amazing, you know, feat of science and there's no playbook for what to do with us. So I was like, this is amazing. I was able to, just by getting off processed foods and getting off some gluten, not getting off gluten, (laughs) doing a a couple of supplements, I was able to reverse my acne, reverse my IBS and get my depression to what I thought was an amazing place. But I would eventually, like you said, once you get into the emotional, spiritual work, there's even so much more wholeness and well-being that you can have. But I was just physically healed. So I thought my depression was like over, you know, I didn't realize it could get even better. Um, Same. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's like, oh. And so I was like, this is amazing. I want to help other people do this. And at the time, again, this was 2007, completely different world. No one knew how to say quinoa yet. No one knew what kale was. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god there was no Irawan. maybe there was Irawan, but no there, i don't think there was there. <laughs> god this was a time when i remember this time too because i was 
just starting to get into it. And I would drink this carrot juice because I thought carrot juice like prevented cancer. And and I, and it probably does. I'm just saying like I was like so into this. And people thought, where they're like, what is, why are you drinking this weird Kool-Aid? And I'm like, no, this is health food. They're like, okay, Allie. Like I remember this time. Yes, yes, right. And <laughs> so you and I were like, probably previously connected in some way. Like we were like part of the, you know, the beginning of people were like, what is, what is going on? Yeah. Like you were more advanced because you, I'm so sorry, but you had actually gone through cancer. I had lost my mom to cancer and my dad was still alive and hadn't died yet. So that's when I was just discovering like, oh my God, the body can heal itself. You have to give it this green juice and detox. And like, I was brand new. I didn't know anything, but people thought I was crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I always say like, cause we were like, you and I were probably would have been categorized as hippies at the time, but I'm like, the hippies yeah. were like super conservative. They were like, let's live off the land. Like what you were <laughs> doing with your food supply is super radical and crazy. So I think people got the hippies all wrong, but that's my own <laughs> <laughs> perspective. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. So I started just doing grocery store tours. Cause I also, at this time, a lot of my emotional eating had cleared up when I started to realize that food could be something other than calories. Food could have some sort of influence and importance other than weight loss. Yeah. And so I started, but, and again, no social media, different era. I thought I was the only one who was like still thinking about food a lot, you know, obsessed with it, all this stuff. And as I started working with clients after about the fourth session, you know, after we did our grocery store tour and stuff, they'd start telling me, about their food stuff. And at the time I couldn't figure out like what was emotionally happening that helped them make their food be super simple and easy. I didn't know what was what was working, what wasn't in that coaching. And then mm-hmm. on personal level, whenever I would have stress, I would revert back to my emotional eating patterns. So like if I was going for my cancer scans, as you probably know, it's called like scanxiety season, you know, and it's like, because mm-hmm. our healthcare system is somewhat dis- very dysfunctional. I can say that on this podcast. Very, very, yes. <laughs> it's like from the time you call your oncologist to the time you get the scans to the time you get your results, it can be like six weeks. And I would like binge on sugar. And I'm like, cancer feeds on sugar. What the fuck? am I doing, you know? Right. And so that personal curiosity, that insatiable curiosity, maybe my falling off track is a symptom just like my depression, IBS and functional medicine gave me like a systems mindset, a systems perspective. And so I went to Penn in Philly to really study adult change, human behavior, like what's really going on. And out of that, I really realized I came to discover in what I created my truce with food model. But what the big premise of truce with food is, is that food is actually about safety. And Mm. what I mean by that is that from the time we are born, food is coupled with attachment, right? So when we're babies, whenever we cry, right, we have two basic needs to be fed and touched. And we know that we need, we know that the only way to get that food is if someone's taking care of us, right? Yeah, yeah. So Allie, if I ask you, what are your favorite carefree food memories? Mm, That's such a good question. Okay. My mom loved these 
chocolate donuts. So it was chocolate donuts and chocolate cake with my mom. Lemonade, because we always had like a lemonade stand. My dad, every time I had sleepovers, made the best breakfast. They were like these potato pancakes. And like, I didn't really, I don't think I've ever had them since, but they were so delicious. And I have such a fond memory of some of those things for sure. Yeah. And so whenever, like for the listeners too, they can start to think about their favorite carefree memories. And you see that the food was there, but it was also about the belonging, the attachment. Mm. Like I didn't have to prove that I mattered. I didn't have to earn mattering. Like I just, I just did, right? Like I just mattered. And often like your dad making the pancakes, right? It's like food was the medium to show that you you mattered, right? (laughs) Showed love, like for me and my friends, because it was always after sleepovers. And so we felt loved and taken care of. And I love that feeling. Like I have such a positive um um, emotion around that type of food. Yes. And what you're talking about with, with, in the case of, you know, that attachment and belonging, that is a primal need. So Mm -hmm. especially as children, like we can't secure basic needs like food, shelter, water. So we need someone to care for us. Right. Right. Can then secure that for us. And so food gets coupled with attachment and belonging. And as you talked about at sleepover with your friends, as we grow up, our peers, it becomes important that we attach to our peers. So it's not just our caretakers, it's everyone. And so what I realized at Penn, and so let me ask you this before I go into like more, when you think of your hardest food memories, what were those? Oh, okay. Those are when I was older and beating myself up for having the same foods, like the pizza in college, because I, like you, was like, if my ribs aren't showing because Kate Moss showed me, modeled me what that looks like, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. And so there became shame around the same foods that had brought me joy before, whether it's like um, chocolate cake or pizza or stir fry or whatever, pancakes. It brought me shame when I was older. Not the same. Yes. Yes. You nailed it. Right. It's like, then I feel separate and isolated. And so not good enough. I felt. Yes. Yes. And people were like, well, why, if I'm worrying about my weight, am I turning to food? It makes no sense, but it actually makes perfect sense when you understand that it was food is coupled with attachment. Now, Dr. Mac- Deborah McNamara, who just her new book out is called Nourished. It's an amazing book. Um, she's a child psychologist, but she mm-hmm. talks about how food is supposed to follow attachment. It's not supposed to be a replacement for it. Mm. So, for example, I was bullied in fifth grade. And for some reason, I had great parents, but I felt like it would be a burden to tell them. And my shame mm-hmm. didn't want to share that because I was worried that my parents might see what those girls saw in me. Right. Like, yeah. Right. So I came home and I would eat bagels. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because it was like, it makes no sense. And then it's like, then I had a weight problem. So then it was like added to the shame, but the initial root cause was, oh my God, I need a soft space to land, to sit Uh here and figure this out. And how should I stick up for myself? But because I didn't have the attachment that of my parents or told my grandma or my sister, or, you know, didn't feel like I could stand up to the bullies. 
it's like food became the source of attachment. And Dr. McNamara talks about how food will stimulate attachment chemicals, right? So it gets even crazier and more metaphorical of how much food and attachment are connected, but it can't provide the sense of you're okay, you're going to get through this and I'm going to help you figure it out how. And yes. And that's like, what if you would have had someone, right, who told you like, look, Kate, let, let's let's sort through this. Not let's just tell you not to want to be like Kate Moss, but like let's figure out what this is really about and how can we work through that rather than now you feeling like, oh my God, because I love those foods, I'm bad and I'm wrong. Right. And so my biggest realization when it comes to all this stuff was when I realized, okay, you're turning to the fridge when you're not hungry. You're turning to the fridge to fill a void. You're turning to the fridge to emotionally eat what is that about? I was trying to control a feeling I didn't want to feel, whether it was, like you said, the shame because you didn't want to express to your parents like, oh, they made fun of me. I don't want you to know the I'm not good enough itis that I suffered from for so long that because I suffered as a child from I'm not good enough because I don't compare to Kate Moss or whatever, that brought that was brought into adulthood without my consent, right? Yes. But it was. And it was inside me without me even realizing it was inside me because before we do the deep work to recognize these triggers and patterns, we don't know. And no, absolutely no judgment. We don't know until we, we don't know better until we know better. We can't do better until we know better. But I was like, you're turning to the fridge to avoid feeling a feeling you don't want to feel. That's what the Ben and Jerry's is after a breakup, Mm. right? Or food as reward. Food became reward because- you did a good job. Oh, you worked so hard. Now you deserve it. But it's still avoidance. Yeah. Well, and oh my God, I love that you even said like the Ben and Jerry's after a breakup, because again, remember, but that's like, again, you were, you're feeling alone, right? Like we, and we've all been there. Um, And I love that you brought up, like, I deserve that because what I realized with a lot of my clients is So there's like, they're in this productive, unproductive hamster wheel. Yeah. And so they feel like they need to to be productive to earn the belonging status that they want. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. I want to be a six figure entrepreneur, maybe seven figures now. I don't know. And with inflation, you know, who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Let's go with eight. I mean, inflation is out of control. We got to be eight to survive. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So now I want to be an eight figure or right. It's. But it's that it's the goal is more and more, right? And clients will say, my clients will be like, well, it can't be about the weight because it's always got to be 10 more pounds, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, what's making you feel unsafe or that you don't belong is that you, it's this this idea that you need more and more and more instead of this is where we can, like you said, it, we internalize all of this without our our own consent. And as adults, Mm -hmm. We have the opportunity to evolve how we identify our sense of belonging. So now that we can take care of ourselves, we can start to think what actually matters to me, right? So with like the, I deserve this eating, the belonging piece is like, what is enough, right? Like, how can I work better? How can I work smarter, not harder, right? How can I trust that if I have a need of rest, I can attach to that need as an adult to rest and then still trust that I there will be plenty. Does that I don't know yes. that it, it can be abstract sometimes, but that's that, that's what 
adult belonging. That's what the opportunity and the invitation, I think, in emotional eating is to say, okay, the old things that I've been told to care about may not be what I care about as an adult. And how do I start belonging and attaching to what I care about now? And as I can be more of a free thinker that I'm not. Yeah. yeah. I know. I love that. I remember specifically one of mine that I'll share was I was like, okay, how can you find joy in your day-to-day life instead of finding joy in food at the end of the day? If that is the thing that you're looking forward to, what is wrong? And no judgment, but what is wrong in your life that is not bringing you joy? Because food is should be pleasurable, but it should not be the only pleasure. And if it is the only pleasure, I need to look at my life and go, what am I not doing to creatively fulfill myself? What am I doing that's taking away from my own ability to experience joy? And look, I'm not blaming or shaming. There are life circumstances that happen to us and I'm not trying to say that they don't. However, with those life circumstances, what changes can you make and how can you recognize those as teachers and move through them with some grace and ease and not be stuck in them so that we're in constant avoidance so that food becomes the go-to for comfort, pleasure, and safety? Yes. Food Heals Nation, I hope you're enjoying this interview with Allie as much as I am, the other Allie. And You know, I think the reason that the conversation of emotional eating is so close to my heart is because when you're in it, tell me if you can relate to this, but when you're in it, it is so lonely and shameful and you feel like you have this secret that you have to hide and no one else would ever understand. And that's how it felt for me. And then I got older, I got a little wiser, I made some friends, and I started talking to people about this openly. And I realized most of the people that I knew that I had made judgments about as having it all together, right, were suffering too. It's this secret shame cycle. And I want all of us to be empowered to get out of it now. That's why I wrote the book, The Food Freedom Formula, The Manifestation Method to Crush Cravings, Banish Body Shame, and End Emotional Eating for Good. You know what else I want to put in that title? End the stigma. Like so many people deal with this, right? That's what Allie and I are talking about today. We wouldn't be talking about it if this wasn't such a prevalent issue for people. And that's what I want to help people with because I think it's one of the hardest things to overcome, but I also know it's absolutely possible. And there's so much freedom on the other side when you stop turning to the fridge instead of dealing with your problems. Do you know what I mean? That becomes the problem. And so I just believe that if you are ready to heal it, you can. That's why I wrote the book. That's what I want to help you with. And I believe that you can do this in three weeks. Change your habits, change your thoughts, change your patterns, and be a whole new human. Now, it may take a little bit longer to delete some of the shame or some of the childhood traumas that have caused this, but you'll have all the tools because the book gives you all the tools in order to do this. So you'll have a practice that you can use every single time you find yourself turning to the fridge, every single time you find yourself binge eating or not eating to control something, to control a feeling that you don't want to feel. Whenever you find yourself in shame or blame, 
or unhappiness about your food, your weight, etc. And then when you get to the part where you feel the freedom, you never go back because it feels so good. It feels so good to be emotionally light. It feels so good to be physically light. It feels so good when you can run a little faster because you feel light, when your clothes fit a little better and you feel radiant. You're like, oh, that's who she is or that's who he is. When you look in the mirror and you're like, there she is. I look at old pictures of myself and I go, ooh, mm, she was not happy. I can see it, right? And I don't feel that way anymore. So if you're ready to drop the body shame, if you're ready to lose the weight for good, if you're ready to crush those cravings, the book is available for you right now at foodhealsnation.com slash formula. And for the month of February only, I'm going to support your journey with a wellness box. So I bundled together the ebook with this amazing wellness box that is full of over $350 worth of health and wellness products that will be shipped straight to your door and they will all support your journey to food freedom. These are all the products that you hear me talk about on the show all of the time. These are absolutely going to support your journey and you're getting them at such a lower price than you would spend if you went out and bought all of these products individually, even with my discount codes, right? You're going to get $350, over $350 worth of health and wellness products. You're going to get probiotics to support your gut. You're going to get a calm supplement to keep you calm. You're going to get protein powders and green juice powders to boost your immunity. You'll get my favorite iodine supplement to help you if you ever feel sick. You're getting my favorite B12 supplement that you can supplement with every single day and it tastes absolutely delicious. You're going to get My Vital C's ESS60 for longevity, energy, and better sleep. You're going to get CBD products. You're going to get my favorite chapsticks. You're going to get a ton of travel packs so you can stay healthy on the road, in the plane, in the car, wherever you go. Organifi has sent us a ton of travel packs, which is so exciting. You're going to get Kerasidin that I take every day so I don't get sick. There are just so many supportive, amazing products in this bundle. You're going to be blown away. I'm so excited, actually. Like, I... I've never put together a bundle, a wellness box, or a swag bag this good in my life. So if you're ready for the Food Freedom Formula Bundle, which includes your wellness box and your Food Freedom Formula ebook, you can go to foodhealsnation.com slash formula, or for my Instagram friends, you can get it at my link in bio at Allison Melody TV. And the book is amazing. It's going to give you step-by-step guidance, plus inspiring stories and healing tools and meditations and manifestation formulas to set you up for success, for weight loss, for goal setting, for forming new healthy habits, and so much more. With this proven framework, you can completely change your habits in three weeks. They say it takes 21 days to form a new habit. Let's start today. As soon as you make your purchase, the ebook is downloadable straight to your phone, straight to your computer. And once you change those habits, this is going to help you heal the emotional wounds that are causing you to hold on to the weight, right? And as you release your emotional blocks, you release the weight as well. It's so amazing. It's like when I think about it now, I'm like, oh my God, it was always so easy. Why did I make it so hard, <laughs> right? 
So if that resonates, if you feel me, then go ahead on over to foodhealsnation.com slash formula. This offer is open to U.S. residents only, and it's available during the month of February only, and only while supplies last. So if you're listening to this and it's not February, you can still get the ebook, absolutely. I will just have run out of supplies for the wellness box. But if you guys love it, I'll do it again. I'll reach out to the brands and I'll say, hey, we need more products for this amazing wellness box. All right, now back to my interview with Allie. I love that example of joy. Like you tapped in as an adult to say, what do I need, right? Like (laughs) I have like, you know, a pacing issue where I'm not pacing, I'm not giving myself joy during the day. (laughs) And so it's coming out all in food, but that's a great example of, you know, stepping into what I would say your healthy adult self, right? Because I think when we're turning to food, we're in that survivor self, That's just trying to get through. We're just trying to get through. And it makes sense, right? I always ask my clients, why does this make sense? Not what's wrong Mm -hmm. with you, but if if you're trying to attach and you need someone, you need this soft place to land. But yeah, I love that you are like, I'm allowed to have joy now. I don't have to earn it, right? That's basically Mm. what you were saying to yourself. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm sure, Allie, like a lot of, I did this to myself and I'm, I know my clients do, and I'm sure you and your clients probably can, this will sound familiar, but often what we do is it's like, well, once I lose weight, then I'll give myself joy. Right. Like, right. Once yes. I lose weight. And so we use weight loss as this, like, well, then I'm going to be safe. Then it's going to feel less risk to have joy or less risk to rest, you know, or less risk to go out dating, whatever we think. But ultimately, we're using weight loss to deny the very needs that will help us stop turning to food. Yeah, it's like, how can we feel comfortable in our skin now, love our bodies as they are, so that we can create the bodies that we want, create the lives that we want? Because there's nothing that changes when you get there. Because if you lose the weight purely on a physical level, like you do all the physical things, but you're not doing the emotional things, guess what? You don't feel better when you get there and the weight comes back because you didn't do the emotional work, right? (laughs) 100%. Yeah. I always say to my clients, it's not the what you're doing, it's how you're arriving there and a real attention Mm. to the process. Because I think in our culture, it's just about the finish line, right? It's like, <laughs> did you make a billion dollars? Woo, you're the best. D- but did you destroy the planet in the process? You know, it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe we need new role models. You know what I mean? But we do that with our bodies, right? It doesn't matter how I get there. I may trash my body, but as long as I get there, but it's like, but if you want to stay there, like, can we, can we have that conversation? It's just, it's just very different. Yes. I love this conversation. I think it's so important. And I think it's like interesting because we both experienced it and had similar, um, I would say upbringings, even though they are different, but just similar paths, I will say. Um, and so you got, so here you are and you're like, okay, I'm learning all this. I'm healing myself. What is the path? Let's say if you work with a client or you have a friend who's like, I know, I'm seeing that this is my issue. I want to be here, you know, insert what here is, whether it's um, having a healthier relationship with food, being lighter in your body, being having healthy, healthier habits. But I find myself here and I know I'm in these unhealthy thought patterns. I know I'm emotionally eating. I know I'm, let's just say controlling my eating because it could also be 
avoiding eating because that's also mm-hmm. a mechanism of control. But let's say someone just goes, Ali, I'm here. What do I do? Where do I start? What do you recommend to start someone on the journey, on the path to healing their emotional issues with food? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing and is just a philosophical a philosophical shift that to ask yourself, why does this make sense? Mm-hmm. Instead of going into immediately beating yourself or whatnot. And what that does actually is on a deep relational level, it starts to repair your trust in yourself. You start to attach to your healthy adult self instead of the survival self. So a lot of people are like, what do you mean? Why does it make sense? It doesn't make sense. I'm crazy. It's like, no, just like (laughs) perhaps consider why does this make sense? And, you know, before we got on the call, you said, you know, so many people feel alone in their stories. And I was like, yes. Because what I spent a lot of time in Truth With Food or my work is the first half of my work together is just getting clients to see the story that makes them feel separate, that makes Mm -hmm. them feel so alone. And what is the big risk that that makes them feel like I'm not enough, uh, I can't do this. And so starting to ask, why does this make sense? And then I think the next thing is like, what feels hard about about, you know, if someone says, well, why does this make sense? Oh, well, I'm so exhausted, right? We are talking about rest. (laughs) So let's use this. And it's in tiredness is a huge trigger for my clients. Well, I'm so tired. I want a reward. I need energy to go through, to get through this. Okay. Well, what feels hard or at risk if you take time to meet that need, right? The need is to Mm -hmm. rest. So Mm -hmm. what feels at risk? about taking rest, about doing the thing that would be holistically healthy. Oh, well, I'm going to be unproductive or I'm not going to get yeah. everything done. Okay. That's me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and so yep. what, what, I'm like, I can relate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what happens if you don't get everything done? You know, and usually it comes back to, you know, down to, well, I'm lazy. And then if I'm lazy, things are going to, you know, financial ruin or, you know, right, right. or, but, but what often there is, and we often can't articulate is that with that laziness comes shame, right? Cause I think yeah, most yeah. of, so we have all of this like protective resistance of like you, and this is what clients are often talking about. Like, I know what I should be doing, but I'm not doing. So if people mm-hmm. say I'm starting here, what's the process? What makes sense? Right. Why does this make sense? And then some of the I just want to give people four triggers that I ask if they're like, well, I'm not sure because I don't know about you, Allie, but I had a really hard time getting back into my body. So I was trying to answer everything intellectually instead of Mm -hmm. dropping into my body to get the answer. Yes. My type A personality wants to check things off the list and figure them out in a way that doesn't go deep. So I understand that. Absolutely. So let's go deep. I know that you have four stress eating triggers for us. And what are the hidden opportunities there? Yeah. So the first one with is tail or so the the acronym is what's at the tail end of why this makes sense. So the first one is tiredness. Okay. And usually the risk or story associated with that is like this sense of failure or the sense of success, like mediocre success. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, so what I always, what I think the invitation is in that trigger is, okay, rather than just focusing on if I'm busy and productive, what kind of impact do I want to have? 
What kind of mm. impact do I want to make? And I and the invitation there is to actually trust and rest and creative rest so that you can bring your own unique creative impact on the world because it takes rest to actually be creative. Cuz yeah. so that's the invitation there is to actually bring your unique brilliance that only you can do through getting rest <laughs> instead of just going, going, going. And also, I mean, this goes even deeper, but a lot of my clients, and, and this is actually what I've been working on the past couple of years, because I had a baby at 41, I went through early menopause. And so I just could not keep up the pace that I used wow. to. But in America, especially, and I would say Western culture, we're, we're taught that like hard work is what leads to success. Right. And that's an element to it, but it's not the whole story, right? There's proof. I, I, I think it's a um, complete misbelief that when we adopt is extremely toxic. Yes. Yes. And so part of why we're driven by productivity and always wanting to work is a sense of scarcity, right? We, yes. we grew up in a very scarce culture and then it's like, oh, I need to trust that there's abundance. Well, there may or may not be. Um, and so it's like, but <laughs> we want to rechange what is plenty. There is plenty for everyone. What is plenty for me? And so it's a self-actualization opportunity. Um, and oh, what I was going to say before I kind of got off on a tangent is, like trusting in divine timing, right? Like mm -hmm. if you have a calling or you have something that is pulling to you, how can you, you know, let, we could call it grace, we could call it the universe. Like when I think about even going to IIN, I mean, I was in a grocery store talking to one of my best friends about how corrupt the the FDA was. And this guy was like, <laughs> oh my God, you would love this school that I, that I just went to. And I was like, what? There's a nutrition yeah. school that, you know, like, I mean, that, that is, that is cutting off the perhaps synchronicity that, mm -hmm. that hard work, it, like hard work is part of it, but by just trying to plow through without allowing the synchronicity to happen, it's yeah. like, what path am I on someone else's path? that isn't really calling to my soul. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So the second trigger is anxious. And what I really think of this is uncertainty from the outside. So Ali, I bet you had a lot of clients come to you during COVID, right? Who felt so out of control because- that, I felt out of control, yeah. Yeah, and that was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because that was uncertainty coming from the outside. Right. Right. And yeah. so what we what we think we have to do there is get everything under control instead mm -hmm. of learning to be flexible and roll with the punches. And you and I are entrepreneurs, so we know the benefits <laughs> of, of learning to be flexible. Um, We've taken the risks. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and a lot of my clients are entrepreneurs or they're artists or rock stars, you know, like they have very unconventional lives or they're leaders in their fields. And mm -hmm. so, but I think what ends up happening is if we are always trying to stick to a plan you know, a food plan, right? We're worried like, oh, I'm, it's not going to work, right? I, the risk is it's not going to work. And so the invitation is to realize that flexibility and momentum, not control or out of control, can yeah. actually take us in this really interesting direction that enables us to experience a sense of ease 
instead of everything being like building everything up and being so, so challenging. Like we can trust ourselves to pivot, I guess, is kind of the invitation there, which again, provides such a peace of mind that I got me. I'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I think it always comes back to trust. For me, it's like, do I trust myself? Do I trust God or the universe? Do I trust that there will be a net to land on when I take the leap? And that is so scary. And there have been times when I've taken the leap and times when I haven't out of fear. But when I take the leap out of trust, then the net appears. And that's what I have to remind myself when I'm like, all right, this is a new leap. Are we going to go there? I have to remind myself the net appeared last time. But I, so here's where I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit though. I think you helped create the net. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) So, and again, I think often what we do, especially as women is we cut, we ignore the instinct and intuitive hits that we have if we're just yeah. trying to be perfect and follow the plan. Totally. And and I would say that you probably were following an instinctual, intuitive knowing when you took those leaps. Hopefully, we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> but you'll figure it out, right? You have, like, this is, I mean, I want to understand, like, I mean, truce with food, like the tagline is trust and satisfaction, not restriction. And it is about more satisfaction. And though- Oh, I like that. Uh-huh. And thanks. But, and it, it the, the hard part is like allowing yourself to figure it out as you go, not having to have it all figured out. And like, there is a certain, like, we learn what we're made of when we're creating mm-hmm. the net. Yes. So there's like a resiliency and a trust. It, you're exactly right. All of this comes back to repairing our trust with ourselves. That ultimately, that adult sense of belonging is really, I'm going to be a great friend to myself. I have my own back. I know I can advocate for myself and get my needs met. Instead right. of there's, hoping other people will just meet them. Yeah, it's like um, Disney movies taught us that we're going to be rescued. Yes. Right? <laughs> it's charming. And it's like, okay. You know what? That might happen once in a while. However, in general, I rescue me. And it's not, doesn't mean that you have to be an independent person forever who's the only person that takes care of themselves. Like I'm all about finding relationships, whether it's relationships with friends, relationships with a partner, relationships with your children, relationships in any other, your parents, if you're lucky enough to still have them, whatever it is, like absolutely lean on each other, but also know you got you, I got me. Because without that, how can you lean on anyone else? 100%. And that you got you, and that might mean asking for help from other people, right? Mm, that's, that is a good one because that is so hard for many. That's hard for me. That's hard for so many people. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah. Well, and that brings me to really the last two triggers, which is inadequacy, which is I'm too much or not enough. Mm-hmm. And that prevent. And again, I remember, you know, growing up, it's like, I'm independent. Like, that's the biggest, that's the greatest thing you can be in America. You know, it's like, I'm independent. We and- were sold a bill of lies. I just want to say, because that was my whole life. And then I was like, Wait, can I lean on someone? Yeah. I'm tired. I know. This is hard. <laughs> now I'm eating because I deserve this, right? It's like, 
Yeah, exactly. And it's like, again, our culture is so extreme. It's like, well, I don't want to be codependent, but it's like interdependence, right? Yes. But to your- There's a book about this, interdependence. Yes. Oh, I didn't know Uh, that. Hold on. It's uh, Dale Carnegie has a book about being independent versus being codependent. And then the answer is interdependent. So you just nailed it. Yes. Oh, I love that. And, (laughs) and like what you said though, is like, we have to know what we need and to ask for, like, we can't expect other people to like my, you know, mind read or, or just hope that they choose us to like, be. that's the death of any romantic relationship. (laughs) (laughs) I assume, you know, I'm going to be mad. I'm going to give you the silent treatment until you figure it out. They're like, bitch, I don't know what you want. Tell them. (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly especially because what like sleeping beauty is like passed out how can she tell anybody what she needs right (laughs) (laughs) that's a good point (laughs) yeah and then the last trigger is loneliness and i think you know a lot of people and i love again ali how you said people feel so alone in their stories because loneliness doesn't mean that you're by yourself it just means you're around other people and your social needs aren't being met. And so you end up feeling separate. And this can come out in food, right? Like so many clients like, well, I don't want to get the salad because then it looks like I'm trying and I haven't lost weight. So it looks like I'm failing, right? There's like all the subtext or oh, I or yeah. I can't eat gluten because I have Hashimoto's, but I don't want to make the host feel bad. You know, like all yes, of this stuff totally. can end us uh, end up making us feel lonely. But it's really about realizing like when we advocate for our needs, it's like that can bring us closer to people um, rather than repel people. You know, it will bring the right people closer. And so it actually strengthens our relationships and deepens them rather than pushes people away when it's the right people. So those are the four main triggers that I tail tired, anxious. Oh, and and I also want to say with inadequacy, it's coming from the inside. It's not like during COVID, but it's like, I'm doubting myself, you know? Um, it's self-worth. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So those tail triggers, tired, anxious, inadequacy, and loneliness um, are really what tend to make people feel unattached, like disconnected from their needs. And when you're feeling those, it's really about, okay, what really figuring out what you need And then that last half of truth with food is really taking small manageable risks to get those needs met, right? Because what ends up happening, we'll take the tired example, (laughs) Allie, since you said you can relate and it's what I've been working on. Oh, I can relate to all of them, but continue. Uh, Okay. Yeah. It's like (laughs) sometimes clients, because they're all or nothing, they're so tired and they don't realize how tired they are. They'll be like, well, I just need a vacation away from everybody. Right. And it's like, okay. You're, you're, you're resting through extremes and that's not practical. And they're not even aware that like, oh my God, you know what? My energy dips at 10 AM and it's like, okay, are you, is your blood sugar dipping? Or do you need to take a break from your desk? You know, there's like physical rest, there's creative rest, right? There's seven different types of rest that, that I'm forgetting the doctor's name who she identified them, but it's starting to tune into your needs in these smaller ways um, that are probably unconscious right now, especially if you're not living in your body. Um, and so then it's taking the time to like experiment with, is it safe to do that? Right. And what, and when you start doing that, you start measuring different things. So rather than just saying, did I get everything checked off my list? It's like, am I moving in the direction of impact? 
right? It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so you start really valuing different things be- and you start valuing the process, right? Like we talked about earlier, oh, you know, do people care about how they get to their goal weight or how they get to be healthy? It's like, if you start valuing the process, you learn what you need, you learn what makes it sustainable in the process. And that's what we need to do with these tail triggers, right? Is, you know, with anxiousness, oh my God, how, how did I knit that net that appeared? Right. And so you start to learn what's working outside of just control in the case of uncertainty. So one of my favorite things for this is an evidence journal. So keeping an evidence journal of when things went right, when you were like, I did this thing and I had this outcome and you're like, oh, that works. And reminding yourself and remembering when things go well, because we forget our memories tend to remember the bad or the depressive or the anxiety or when things went wrong, we hold on to them. Our body holds on to them as traumas. Our brain is doing it to protect us. So let me just say, shout out to the brain because you're doing your job. You're there to protect us. And so they're preparing us for when these things happen again. So thank you, brain. However, keeping an evidence journal will help your brain actually retrain that but also good things happen. And also I created these things. And when I did these things, these good things occurred. So I'm all about the evidence journal to keep that as a reminder to ourselves that as much bad or, you know, perceived wrongs, perceived bads that we've experienced, there's also a lot of perceived miracles. There's um, not perceived. There's also a lot of miracles that have occurred. And we have to remember that. I love that. I think that evidence journal is is brilliant because you're right. We are we have a tendency towards negative bias and then the stories that we have, like you said, when we were wounded or traumatized or just being in our culture are going yeah. to try to prove to you they're going to make you feel like it's too risky to do the thing that worked before. <laughs> like yes. ask for help or take a rest day or whatever. So I think that's that's really smart to like have the evidence, right? Be your, be a scientist of your own life. All right. To all my Food Heals Nation Organifi fans, I have so many amazing specials for you in the month of February. If you're not driving and you have a chance, go and write this down. I'll put it in the show notes too, but I want you to make note of these dates with all these incredible Organifi specials. So whether you need to stock up on the green juice, the Organifi Gold, the Harmony, the Protein, the Glow, the Pure, or any of your other favorites, there's not only your 20% off discount code, Food Heals as always, but we've also got a bunch of specials. Okay, ready? Here we go. Write this down. From February 2nd to February 5th, buy any two products, you'll get a free Organifi tote bag. From February 9th to February 14th, buy any product, get a free gold chocolate. That is my absolute favorite. Mark that down. It tastes like a hot chocolate golden milk that also puts you to sleep. Then from February 16th to February 19th, you can buy any product and you'll get a free Focus And finally, February 29th to March 3rd, buy any product and you'll get 15 free green juice travel packs. I love the travel packs. I always take them on the plane with me so that I can get my greens on the go wherever I am. So as always, you can find everything over at OrganifiShop.com slash FoodHeals and use the discount code FoodHeals to save 20% off your order. 
You also mentioned um, something that I want to go through, the seven types of rest. I think this is really, really important. So let's just briefly go through it. I, I Googled it, so I'm not saying this is an alley original, but there's physical rest, which is like sleep, mental rest, which is a break from us mentally processing information, emotional rest, which is feeling and expressing your feelings, sensory rest, which is bright lights, our screens, our phones, right? These Think about how much rest we need from all of these things. Creative rest, which is like, okay, rejuvenating your creativity, engaging with the beauty in the world and remembering like, oh my God, we're here to be these beautiful creating beings. Social rest, which is, I think we talked about this on the beginning before we're on the show, but like introvert or extrovert. So if you're introvert, and you go out there into the world, you need a lot of social rest, right? Yeah. And then spiritual rest, finding meaning and purpose behind what you're doing, your daily routine. So I love that you brought that up. And I just wanted to list those because I wanted to go deeper into that because I feel that deeply into my being because sleep and napping is not necessarily true rest. Meditation can be a form, but it may not hit all of the points. So I just, I say that for all of us having this conversation and thinking about these emotional triggers that we have with food and otherwise to recognize that if you're wondering like, no, I'm sleeping enough or I'm doing the meditation or whatever, look at all those forms of rest. And are you truly? Because sometimes if you have that meditation on, it's still coming from your phone. Your phone is still emanating. You can still, unless you're on do not disturb and all the things, you can still get a text. Like, how are you truly finding rest so that you can then tackle all of the things that Ali and Ali, both of us are talking about today when you're trying to find emotional food freedom? Yeah. And I would just add with the social rest because yeah. a lot of us, again, the type of social rest that is so nourishing is that that belonging that we need, that sometimes we don't want to say the weird thing or, you know, a lot of the emotional eating comes out when we're sending out our representative, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I, I mean that, I don't know if you remember Chris Rock did this hilarious stand up like dec it was probably a decade, 15 years ago now about like, okay. he's like, when you go out on a date, you're not going out with that person. You're going out with that representative, you know? And it was like, <laughs> <laughs> so accurate. Yeah. That's so, good. That's so good. But a lot of us do that. Like I I'm thinking of my one client who we were working on her emotional eating and she was with her sisters and she, and historically, again, she had this story that she was so different from them because she needed the bigger size clothing. She was the one that struggled with her weight. And mm -hmm. so when she would get together with them, she's like, she still carried that sense of difference and it extended beyond her weight. And I said, what's, I was like, what, what feels at risk? What feels at heart? What feels hard about being with them? Cause these are your yeah. sisters and you love them. And she's like, well, I eat to not say the thing that I want to say to them you know? And so, Oh my God, that's, I, I feel there's so much power behind that statement. I understand that. Like I'm, tr I get it. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And so I think a lot of times we use food to kind of quell social anxiety is, you know, and not really bring the, you know, the, our real self. Now, is there a time and place for her to actually share this stuff with her, her sisters? Yeah. Yes. Right. 
And she, and I, we took a manageable risk to have her do that. And it was like, oh my God, I was seen, I was heard. I got that attachment with them. Mm -hmm. And so now it's like the relationship has deepened. And so I just also want to put that asterisk next to social rest of like, are we bringing the parts of ourselves that really need the healing forward? And again, understanding what the right forum and, and how to approach that is part of the work. But I think that's a big piece of social rest that people aren't like acknowledging, you know, that's why we have a loneliness epidemic (laughs) basically. Oh my gosh. Yes. You're so right. That's such a beautiful way to put it. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, And so if someone is listening right now and they're like, Ali and Ali, I am with you, but I don't know what to do. You have some resources. You have obviously obviously your podcast. You have a comfort quiz. Tell me more about that. What can we learn about ourselves with the quiz? What will we find on the podcast? Like, tell us how we can get more of you. How can we get more Allie? Yeah. So um, on Insatiable Season 10 goes really a deep dive into the Truce With Food process and how how that works. And then season 13 is all about food is safety um, and a deep dive into that. And then the comfort eating quiz. Um, so when we have these tail triggers, the tired, the anxious, the inadequacy and the loneliness, we basically have three protection strategies that we use. And we use those because they've worked to get our needs. They've worked to secure our belonging in the past but they also block us from getting our own needs met. So for Mm -hmm. example, one of the strategies is the accommodate strategy. So if I'm feeling lonely, right? And I use the example with like, say you're like, okay, I can't eat gluten or I'm not gonna drink at this party because I just don't feel like it, right? Not because it's Mm -hmm. rules that you should be following. And then the hostess is like, hey, I had these margaritas with fresh basil from my garden, you know? And it's (laughs) like, oh my God, I feel like I have to accommodate her Right. Or I'm going to disappoint her. So it, yes. So when you take the quiz, you'll see what of the three protection strategies you've been using that, again, they've worked really brilliantly, but now it's starting to realize, hey, are there other ways to do this? And so that's what the comfort eating quiz. Um, it shows the protection strategies when we're triggered that prevent us from actually getting our needs met. I love this so much. And I I can recognize one for me that I think I've healed and I don't know if we're ever done, but one that I'm very strong about that I used to be very not strong about was being unapologetic about my boundaries when it came to food. Because for Mm -hmm. me, Ali, I went vegan now. I don't even remember 10, 15 years ago. Who knows? However, I would go back to my friend's childhood homes and they would have made the most amazing thing. And it would have the things that I don't eat, but I would not me, but I would eat something that had butter or milk. And for me, it was going against the ethics that I believed in and going against my anti-cancer diet, because what I learned in my traumatic state was the most anti-cancer diet, um, that they knew about with science was plant-based, not vegan, plant-based meaning eating more plants, not eating Oreos because you can eat Oreos as a vegan. Long story short, I still felt when I went to those certain places 
childhood best friend's mom is sitting there feeding me and giving all of her love into the food. And how could I say no to that, right? So I found myself compromising on the things that I didn't want to compromise on. So for me, I had to learn how to be radically honest and literally unapologetically stick with my boundaries. And I'm so much better about it now. Like I basically don't have a problem with it now. It may, from time to time it flares up and you're like, nope, here's what you're going to say. Here's what you're going to do. But that didn't happen overnight. So I want to honor anyone that's like, I relate to this conversation that it may not happen overnight, but you get better at it. And then you just set the boundary and then it can't be crossed. There is no person on this earth that could get me to eat a piece of meat. That's just me. And it's not rigid. It's my boundary because that's how I feel. And that's what I want to do for my body. That's a way for me to celebrate my body. And it's not the same for everyone. That's okay. But whatever it is for you, keep that boundary. Be unapologetic about it. It's like, oh, I'm not... I'm not sorry that I can't eat gluten or whatever it is. I, I I can eat gluten. I'm fine. But if you're like, I cannot eat sugar, I cannot eat gluten, be unapologetic about that. And you can still be loving with it, but be unapologetic and set the boundary. And it feels so good. Yeah. And I'd also just in terms of the attachment and be- through an attachment and belonging lens, it would be interesting if in the places that maybe you still have a hard time of like letting people know ahead of time, like, Hey, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's what I like say to my clients. Like, you know, what if you say like, Hey, I'm so, this is what I actually just said to a client today. Like they're going to an event. What if it's like, listen, I am so excited that you're getting prepared and I really want to like, I want to contribute or here are my dietary constrictions. Like, are there ways that we can like have some stuff that we can all eat? And that's part of what I'm talking about. Like bringing that, those pieces to ourselves, like the, this, the parts of ourselves that may feel too burdensome or too high maintenance. And like, just sharing that as like you, you have, right. Like I'm a vegan and, you know, again, delivery is all, everyone can choose their own delivery, but I think it's also leading with perhaps people can meet me there right in that. And then we can all at least share some of this together rather than having to be all on you to like not eat or to bring your own food. Yes. I love that. And I agree with you. And I think um, one of the things that I had to realize is that there might be somebody you might be thinking like, well, grandma is going to be offended. And it's like, are you living your entire life and your ethics and your health based on grandma's opinion? <laughs> no. So let grandma be judgmental. Right. But okay. So I'm going to play a little devil's advocate though, but often grandma is showing her love with food. So her, yes, so her totally. judgment is her own defense mechanism, right? Like, cause what she's feeling, right. This is like actually what we get into introduced with food. The subtext to yeah. her is, maybe my food's not good enough. Oh my God, they don't love yes. me. <laughs> yes. So that's where I think really getting clear on our needs and being like, grandma, I love you so much. And this is, you know, so delicious. And, you know, one of my clients had Hashimoto's and she like was so afraid to tell, tell everyone that because they were like a meat potato. I mean, meat and potatoes are obviously gluten-free, but it was like, no, my family communicates food through love. And it was like, yeah, all right, we have to have a conversation about this. Like, I love all of you. And this is why I'm actually having this conversation with you because I want our relationship to, you know, 
grow, grow, not be cut off because I can't eat gluten anymore. Um, so I think that's where it gets a little dicey is we're often with, because food is so loaded, everyone's reading subtext into it. <laughs> you know what? That's such a good point because when I said that, the person who I am thinking of, I see as a judgmental person who does show their love through food, but there are so many people that would be absolutely open to that conversation. So I think it's really good to even have these conversations and realize when are we projecting things onto other people that may not be true. And so you just did that. So what a beautiful, I mean, we're ending this conversation so beautifully, like talking about things that are hard, talking about things that trigger us, talking about things that bring up things we don't want to deal with. But when we bring them to light, then they can only improve. When we bring them to light, then we're able to change them. So thank you, Allie, for doing that. Yeah. Well, you too. Well said. Well said. Yeah. Okay. So let's do some shameless self-promotion. We talked about your quiz. We talked about your podcast, but where can people work with you, follow you, stalk you on Instagram? Give us the goods. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a little analog like that, but I do do Instagram here and there, but on Instagram, I'm at Ali, A-L-I, M Shapiro, S-H-A-P-I-R-O. And then my website is AliShapiro.com and people can go to work with me page. And I certify people in my truce methodology. Um, if there's any coaches interested in, you know, improving their mastery and emotional eating. And then I also have my truce with food group program and uh, I work with people privately. Amazing. Okay. Well, thank you so much for that. There are so many people that need this and I've certainly been through it, which is why I feel confident to speak to it. But at the same time, we're all on a healing journey. And so anytime that we can learn more and heal a little bit more, we just kind of move up on the healing spectrum. And I know I still have more work to do, but I know that with these healing tools that you teach, people can make the shifts and the shifts that last, not just the shifts that go, oh, I lost five pounds this week, but the shifts that are sustainable for a lifetime because they become lifestyle changes. So I really appreciate that about what you do and for you sharing with our audience today, all of the things that can help us heal. So thank you, Allie. Well, thank you. And we all have more to learn. And I think it's a sign of healthy uh, wholeness when we can acknowledge that, right? <laughs> so it tells me you're in pretty good shape. <laughs> I'm trying, girl. We're all trying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm there, right there with you. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you, Allie, so much for being here. Thank you. Who else wants a free, fresh bottle of olive oil shipped straight to their door? Let me back up. The first time I went to Italy, I finally tasted real olive oil for the first time. It's not that I had never had olive oil before, of course, in the States, but the difference was I was having olive oil made fresh from olives that were growing on the property in Ravello off the Amalfi Coast. It was an experience I will never forget, and I ended up shipping like six bottles of it home because I couldn't bear to go back to store-bought processed olive oil. Well, the same thing happened to TJ Robinson. He's also known as the olive oil hunter. He learned that olive oil packs the most flavor and the healthiest nutrients when it's fresh from the farm. And that's the problem with your typical like supermarket olive oil 
The olive oil is not fresh. They can sit on the shelf for months, years, growing stale. And that's why I'm so excited that I now get my olive oil direct from small award-winning farms. Thanks to TJ, who I just did an olive oil tasting with, which was so fun. I absolutely fell in love with their vibrant, fresh, grassy flavors. They're totally delicious. They're great on veggies, pasta, salad, you name it. And TJ has his fresh pressed olive oil club and Food Heals Nation. He will send you a full size bottle worth $39 of one of the world's finest, most artisanal olive oils fresh from the latest harvest, but he's only going to charge you $1 to help cover shipping. There's no commitment to buy anything now or ever. It's his gift to Food Heals Nation. So you can get your free $39 bottle for just $1 shipping. Taste the difference. Taste the freshness. You can go to getfresh323.com. That's getfresh323.com. You'll get your free bottle and you'll pay $1 for shipping. Getfresh323.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to actually start using their $39.99 a month gym membership. If you experience any of these symptoms, Snapchat your trainer immediately.